All right, today, so I sit down with Chad Merrill on this next podcast. Chad is a great guy, great leader, man of faith, and has been in and around business for uh, a very long time. And he shares a great story. Appreciate your joining us in listening in as Chad shares some of his life and some of his wisdom and things that he's learned along the way about how to be a great entrepreneur, how to be a great leader, how to be a business owner with intentionality. Uh, and transparency and holding on to the things that matter to your culture as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And he lists out some great resources. Links to those resources are in uh, the description below. So thanks for joining. Hope you enjoy the episode uh, and please uh, provide any uh, feedback. Hit the like button, uh, ring the bell, uh, subscribe to the channel below. Appreciate you being here with us. Welcome back to the Three Wins Podcast. My name is Russ Clemmer. I'm the president of Legacy Advisory Partners, uh, and I have the pleasure of hosting Chad Merrill, who is the founder and head of Impact 252, based here out of Atlanta. Chad's got a lot to bring us today, a lot of challenges, a lot of things to communicate to us about his life and his testimony, being a, an entrepreneur, a business leader, and, and someone who is always looking to encourage others in their business leadership and ownership and entrepreneurship, while at the same time, which is a dear thing to us here at the Rubens Podcast, leading in the Lord. And what does that mean to do those things with a Christian testimony? So Chad, thank you very much for joining us today. Appreciate you carving some time out uh, in your travels and in time working to be able to join us and, and talk with us today on the Three Wins Podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much, Russ. Great to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. So Impact 252, I know that's not the only thing you've ever done. You've been a part of different things and, you know, the, the, kind of give us the, what what makes Chad Merrill, Chad Merrill kind of history of who you are and where you come from and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, thank you. So I was born in Swainsboro, Georgia. So a small town population, about 8,000 folks. But my dad was from New York, born in Brooklyn, New York. He was in the military early in my life, and so we moved around a little bit, but we ultimately landed, and I went to school in Swainsboro, and didn't take real long to figure out that not a lot of folks in Swainsboro had uh, had a dad from New York City. So it, it, was a, it was a fun upbringing, split between New York and, and Georgia, and then I ultimately went to high school in New York, in the town where my dad's family was from, and then came back to Atlanta to go to college at Emory. And, you know, I think that's a big part of my story is that, you know, I kind of subscribe to a leadership principle that you are a product of nature, nurture, and choice. And I believe that my nature, how God hardwired me, and um, how I was nurtured as a, as a kid growing up and experiencing New York, both my grandparents were small business owners. And so I think the entrepreneurship bug was, you know, at first ingrained in me from a personality standpoint. And then also as I grew up and then made choices growing. And so came back, went to college in New York and, and married my high school sweetheart, got married in college. I was a few days shy of being 20 years old. And Robin was 21 at the time. And so we had a had an early start at that point. And we started our first company while I was in college. So it was really interesting being kind of the courier and a student on the ground floor and being a business owner and a president on the second floor of a building. And so through that, you know, experience, we learned a lot. I would say that definitely a product of the school of hard knocks and lots of MBAs and just practical experience uh, through that time. So it was, uh, 
it was an interesting time, but it's really been the life of an entrepreneur over the last, uh, you know, 30 plus years. We've, we've been a part of starting or owning or, you know, buying, merging some, you know, probably 35, 40 companies during that time. And yeah. so it's been, I tell a lot of folks, it's just like the stock market, you know, as you get out of modify that spread a little bit higher and and so that's the that's the real broad strokes of kind of how we got started yeah Um, so you froze just there for just a second tell me you say you tell people it's just like the stock market say that say that one more piece yeah that you know my my life's been very similar to the stock market both my entrepreneurial journey and and my faith journey for that matter but the entrepreneurial journey has been you know lots of highs and lows and you know, I think one of my goals later in life has been to moderate those. So the, the, the highs aren't quite as high and the lows aren't quite as low and try to narrow that band a little bit. And, and also from a risk reward, I mean, I, I, I was an all in kind of guy. And so lots of our companies, we went all in over our skis, as you would say sometimes. And so that, that got met with, as the old ABC sports said, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat came, uh, both ways to us. We had some some good wins and good times, but then we had some devastating ones also, you know, being essentially bankrupt a couple of times in our lives, not not legally or filed, but having companies that struggled, went out of business, you know, having to lay people off, bank debt and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Learned a lot of lessons uh, in those times, but then, uh, you know, been fortunate enough to have good things happen a couple of times as well. So if you kind of go along that trail, we we started with a travel company. As I say, I, we were both in college. Robin Robin left college, and you know we ended up growing, having six, seven, eight locations in a couple of states, and you know made our way through, not knowing a lot about what we were doing, but uh, you know just keep trying. And and early in that time, had a had a guy walked in the office and said he wanted to buy the company. And long story short, he we we convinced him to invest and invest in us. And he became a deep mentor that really kind of started on both our um, business and a lot of our spiritual journey as well. And then not too long after that, probably, you know, six, eight, 10 years later at our church, there was a older gentleman joined the class that was young families. And, and he became a deep and is still today, he's 87 years old and has been a strong mentor and, you know, has discipled and coached me and kind of every sense of the word for the last 30 years. So I've been very, very blessed to be a part of the product of, of Jim Moy and others. And that, that yeah. kind of continued. We twisted and turned and as I say, started a lot of businesses moved to a few different things. And, and then over the last maybe 15 years, some partners and I started a company called OnePass System. And uh, I actually joined them a few months after they started and kind of became known as a founder, but, but actually merged in with them about six months after getting started. And then we, had, we just had the great fortune of growing that. We started growing that in 2005, six. And, and as you may recall, 2008, nine, 10 were difficult years in the economy and financial meltdowns, but we were just having extreme growth. We we doubled in size in 2007, 8, 9, and 10. And ultimately in 2010, we became a, a target and we sold the majority of the company to private equity. And, and that was an IT services type company. If you look around the Atlanta skyline, most of those buildings, we put some types of building systems in, whether it was security systems or fire or internet and voice over IP and things of that nature. But uh, again, was just blessed with incredible partners and 
you know, Rob Borden was the uh, original founder and, and we just uh, learned a lot with him, learned a lot together and learned a lot about building culture and building a company. And it was just a great experience. And then to kind of briefly bring it home, we sold that company and, and ultimately private equity owned us for another two or three years or we sold the majority. And uh, a few years later, we found ourselves at maybe a thousand employees and doing 200, 250 million, 225 million in sales. And that, and the private equity company sold us again. And so ah. somewhere during that period, I left and it was another, I think, very, very defining point in my life. And, and I think my partners also, we sold to some great folks. They did what they said they were going to do, but they, they ran a private equity playbook and we built the company to be very values-based. We had, we had Chris visions and missions associated, had built uh, company foundations through the National Christian Foundation and thought we just had a, a really great culture. And, and I don't think intentionally, but private equity just did what they did, secular private equity, and, you know, ran the playbook of how do you get more efficient and, and what type of surveys do you do and how do you make people more efficient? And just over the next few years, somewhat dismantled the culture that we had built, that we were aware that would happen potentially when we sold the company, but it was difficult to watch. And and I think all of us that were partners there came out of that. And certainly I did saying, boy, there's got to be a better way. And there's yeah. Uh, yeah. got to be a better way that we can, you know, drive culture, value, value to shareholders and legacy. And so that was a very defining moment. And then in tandem with that, I was uh, on the board of directors of an organization, a marketplace ministry called the Fellowship of Companies for Christ International. Some 42, 43 years ago out of Atlanta. And just really espoused tenants, you know, God owns it all and stewardship versus ownership and how you treat people and, and things of that nature. And during that time period between selling the company the second time, they had a need for a, for a president and CEO and I was on the board and was available. And, and I stepped into that uh, role for about two years. And, and that was Another real defining moment in my life, I'd been, I think, on this progression and trying to understand values and, you know, what can be done through a company. And I thought we did a pretty good job, our partners and I, but then that, that put me on a quest where I was able to travel around the country and, and meet lots of great organizations. And it really unlocked in me an awareness of what type of movements going across the country and and values-based and Christian-based and, you know, different ways that you can run organizations. And I got to know very intimately organizations from, you know, National Christian Foundation to C12, the Convene and CBMC. And, and, and in the financial markets, faith-driven entrepreneur was being birthed and faith-driven investor and Sovereign's Capital started up, which was a move of investing through Christian values and biblical-based values, both in business and in personal life. And so all of that kind of culminated in, you know, an acute awareness. And then to round out to now, that caused me to form Impact 252. And, and Impact 252 was simply just kind of taken from uh, Luke 252. It's a passage that uh, I believe is the only time Jesus is referred to as a teenager. And in, in Luke 252, it's Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, in favor of God and man. And so that became kind of a call that brought 
you know, a lot of culture, a lot of, you know, favor and man. I interpreted that to be in some ways business and business favor and maybe statutes and stature, you know, God's favor. I think we all would like to have that and growing in yeah. wisdom and stature, you know, kind yeah. of resonated. And, and so that was the beginning of Impact 252. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a lot of questions on that. So just, just to kind of piggyback on that. Two, Impact 252 now, y'all are, wh- wh- what are y'all looking to do? How, who do you like to serve? What kind of things do you bring into, you know, your your, your clients, you know, service, product? Wh- wh- what are y'all doing with them? Yeah, so that, that's a that's a tricky question. The origin, when we started it, I was buying a youth sports company. So it was primarily baseball. It was a baseball training center in Atlanta, Georgia. And mm-hmm. again, we thought the name really fit. We were we were our customers were eight year olds and ten year olds that were yeah. looking, learning to play baseball. So we really liked that Luke two fifty two, you know, symbolism that came out through that. And over the first four or five years, we built seven of those centers in Atlanta. We added soccer and we we had a goal to add some leadership and different things. We worked with some high schools. We worked with some coaches, but primarily we were focused on kids. And and today. What that looks like is we merged the company with a West Coast-based soccer company, but mm-hmm. we are still doing the same thing. So today we've got, you know, 16, 18 of those centers across the country, and that was the beginning. But it also became holding companies probably too lofty, the aggregate point of things that uh, my wife, Robin, and I wanted to be involved with. And, you know, she's very heavily involved in leadership development and coaching and executive coaching. Some of that's done through Impact 252. And then I've got an interest in a couple of different companies that, that I just try to use that as a filter. You know, let's try to do things that where we're, where we're all growing, growing in wisdom and stature yeah. and favor yeah. of God and man. So it's yeah. uh, not to be vague, but, you know, I'm in a number of different things, both advisory yeah. Yeah. and we try to filter through the impact lens. Yeah. So the, the, the logo there, impact 252, that's home plate, right? Is that what that is, is. on the logo? Yeah. Okay, good, good. And, and, you know, what's, what's so interesting is what I hear you saying is, you know, the, what is a baseball training center merged with a soccer, but the how and the why, you know, much more exciting for you to talk about than, you know, the, the actual what of, you know, what the business is and, and that sort of thing. And, to me, that that you know something that as I interview different folks on this podcast, you start to get that as people have been around and they've gone through and what you've talked about the NBA of hard knocks and different experiences you've had, you're able to kind of to to rise above the what sometimes and the what can change from time to time, but it's the how and the why that you go that you go about you know doing things is is really nice to hear and I think you know just as a encouragement to leaders and business owners listening that's the that may be the one of the hardest things to get to and you can't get to it until you've gone through some things and and it takes some people kind of encouraging you along which i guess is is some of the role you play with younger entrepreneurs is that right that is and i think you you really kind of nailed it you know when when i bought that first baseball company i thought oh this is great you know there may be a way to impact you know, kids and next generation have some influence in their lives. And that was all true to an extent. But what we really learned was a culmination of my experience of one path with our partners and 
selling the private equity and then being really actively involved in marketplace ministry and FCCI and, you know, faith-driven entrepreneur and things like that. What we learned was that, you know, the greatest impact we can have as a platform of a company was really through the employees of the company. So the way that manifested itself with us was we were having high turnover. You know, millennials get a, get a bad rap sometimes and the tough and the talk of the town. We had lots. We, I looked around and said we had about 100. We had about 100 employees and there were probably less than five over the age of 30. And we had a high degree of turnover. And we kind of sat back and had a had kind of a whiteboard session with the group and um, said, you know, what's causing this or what can prevent it? And what we came up with was leadership, leadership training that that uh, younger folks starting their career, they wanted mentorship, they wanted a path, they wanted to grow personally. And so the real light bulb went off with us and said, hey, maybe it's not trying to get to our customers. We want to have a great customer experience and good influence, but yeah. it's what can we live through and breathe into the, the teammates and the, and the employees of the company. So in in our case, we pivoted to say, we're going to do a half day a week of leadership training, somewhat mandatory from anybody in management, but it soon became open to all because everyone wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, we th- we, what we found was that not only was it a great thing for employer retention, you know, we had seven managers, seven assistant managers that had been 100% turnover in year one. And then we kind of put this program in and had zero turnover for 21, 22 months of those top folks. And so from a business standpoint, it was really successful. But the part that really excited us was just kind of unlocking how we could pour into, you know, the folks in in our teams and and all the way through and see them really come alive. And so the the leadership training and that aspect of it, and it really opened the door to all kinds of conversations. You know, we were, you and I were you know, 30 once or 28 and, you know, just whether it was financial or relationship or parents or, you know, marriage, girlfriends, you know, things just, just really gave us a view into having a significant life impact on people in the company. Yeah. What are some of the, I mean, I don't know if, you know, there's never a silver bullet. So I'm, I'm sure you tried different things through that leadership development and training and mentorship, but what are some, are there a couple of resources because, you know, people are always asking that question, especially if you have this high turnover question and some industries are more, are more prone to it than others. But what what's what are some of the things that you remember doing and, and have continued to do that were really exceptional in their impact and application? Yeah, so we ultimately drew from and and my wife, Robin, led this effort and, and still does, was actually just just reengaged with with the company now several years later to try to have the same impact. But we kind of took the approach of a combination of kind of life skills, uh, leadership and development, and then also kind of hard skills, you know, how do you sell, how do you budget? And so if there was an overarching, we've used material from a, a company called Giant Worldwide that has lots of offerings around this, tools yeah. and the language. But we also, we pulled from people like Pat Lencioni and Henry Cloud and we used books from John Gordon and Dave Ramsey and, and lots of folks that were around there. And so we tried to focus 50% on leadership and development and growth. That was kind of a generic in term, just becoming a better version of yourself. And then use about 50% of that time on things like selling skills. You know, we used a book called Spin Selling and we used a, 
book by John Gordon called The Energy Bus, who's consulted with lots of teams. And then we use entree leadership from Dave Ramsey and some of his tools to teach uh, budgeting and things both that had business applications and that also had personal applications. And so lots of resources, lots of great resources out there, but we, and a lot of character books. There's an organization called Character First that has, uh, you know, it's a book that goes through character traits, whether it's integrity or hard work or perseverance and things of that nature that are good to reinforce to all of us. And, you know, in my fifties, it's just as, uh, just as valuable as it is to someone in their twenties. But yeah. so that was, that was largely it. And then there was a combination of one-on-one coaching and group and kind of workshop types things that, that we still do today. I think that's the, the beauty of what you just said is that you don't learn it once and you, you're a master of it. And, and sometimes I'm sure you felt the same way, Chad, teaching it is almost sometimes better than just, you know, sitting in the classroom and learning it. And that's, that's the way we're designed. God designed us to learn something and then impart it to someone else. That is spot on. You know, my wife was a youth minister for, for several years, and we started kind of a leadership and growth program there. She did, and it was literally, she would teach the leaders on Monday, you know, and the high schoolers might teach the middle schoolers on Tuesday. And we just yeah. used to say, you just need to be one page ahead. You know, if you can read one page ahead, you can do that well. And so we did the same thing you know, with a hundred, you know, and now four or 500 people, we can't get to everybody personally, but there'll be sessions where the managers are together and then they turn around in the off weeks and bring that to their specific locations. And, you know, just highly, highly effective way of yeah. passing down knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So let me go back for a second to the company that you grew, the, the IT services company that you grew. And then you saw this dynamic, which is a fear of a lot of the business owners we talk to. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, they're considering, all right, I've got a, I've got an exit. I've got a transition, you know, one way or another, I'm either going to plan it or it's just going to happen. Right. So what are my options? I could, you know, either got a family member, you know, kids or something I can sell to them, sell to internal a third party though. You got a, you might have a strategic buyer. You might have, you know, somebody that comes along, you might have this private equity group. And that's what people hear a lot of, mm-hmm. the culture. I'm afraid the culture and my people are going to suffer if we go in this direction. It may be very good from a financial perspective for me, and there may be some sort of event bonus that we're able to let people participate in. But beyond that, I'm not really sure. And right now, we've got a really good thing. So talk a little bit about that in detail, if you don't mind, just that what you saw happen and what you've been able to apply this time around to the conversation. Yeah. So that was a, it was a great learning experience. And I think, so that was in 2010, around that time through 2014 or 15. And I think at the time there were fewer options than there are today or fewer paths that people thought it. You either look to a roll up, if you were large enough, maybe you look to private equity. There was some kind of transition plan. And, you know, things like ESOP and other were, were around, but not maybe as, as prevalent or as relevant for yeah. companies of kind of a middle market, lower middle market size. And so it was a very successful exit. Financially, everything went textbook. You know, the company did what they said they were going to do. They turned around and grew it. You know, the, the private equity firm made $100 million selling us the next time, you know, so the, their, their playbook worked great. But what we saw was so many people that were collateral damage. 
that, mm. uh, you know, I'm not sure what we would do if we went back in time, but I know that we, we all thought that there was a better path to go forward. And, and, you know, there's so many new vehicles now, particularly if you want to be values aligned. I mean, there's secular values-based private equity and family offices that are looking, and there's lots in the Christian world. You know, Sovereign's Capital led the, led the way, and they've, they've got three or four or five funds now that are working towards that. And there's evergreen funds. Garden City Companies is right here in Atlanta and someone like to work closely with. And there's scores of others that are out there in family offices that are really catching a real understanding that with the transition of companies and transition of wealth that we hear so much about that's going on over the next decade or so, that there's other avenues and there's avenues to preserve for longer periods of time. And there's, there's other avenues to align with people that share your values and what you want for people or even ministry. You know, I'm, I'm a part of some companies that sold that said, hey, we've got a real desire to support a certain ministry. We've been doing that through the, through the company or to support our community and have that wholeheartedly agreed upon, but kind of written into the agreements that those types of things can continue and will be encouraged. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways now to, um, you know, have your legacy live on, not the least of which is also transitioning to, to family members and having folks to assist. And a real, real point in case is that my former partners all came together and reformed the company a, a couple of years ago and said, hey, we may want to do this a little bit differently. And, you know, I was a part of introducing them and they ultimately took on a private equity investor, but they are very much values aligned. They've added value. They've added some of the financial security that's helpful in growing a company, but at the same time are, are really laser focused on, you know, they have a twice a year spiritual integration plan because it happens to be a faith-based company and faith-based owners. Of, and they've helped enable and even bring best practices from around the world of how to live that out within your company. And, uh, you know, one of my closest friends here in Atlanta recently sold to a company like that and, and sold about 75 or 80% of the company. But the, the structure allowed him to have his mother be able to reap the financial rewards as she moves into her, you know, 60s and 70s and cash out allowed him to stay in, but total alignment on the, uh, on the culture of the company and how they want to grow people. They brought other key people into the uh, ownership of the company. And so I'm, I'm just a big fan of so many ways now to, to have what people have built for so long to be able to continue, whether it's with a family member or not, which are choices that are facing so many business owners these days. Yeah. And, and you know, I, private equity sometimes gets that bad rap of coming in and, you know, just going down the going down the P&L and saying, you know, how do we tighten this? How do we tighten this? How do we make this more efficient? And then all of a sudden you're, you, you still make the same widget, you provide the same service, but the company itself looks completely different, the nature of it, the culture of it. But that can happen with generational change too. Absolutely. You know, founder dad had this special thing and all of a sudden, you know, Junior and his sister come in and own the company and for whatever reason, there's a disconnect between them and dad. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, this is not the same company. So it's not just private equity. It's not, it's, but it's the function of taking the, the spirit of a company, the, the culture of a company, and having that conversation in the intentionality uh, is what we find. Having the intentionality of saying, 
in defining what the culture is, defining what makes it, it, it a special place for people to work, then being able to say, this is what's important. How do we continue this on and, 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 and allow it to continue to bless all the people that it's blessing? And it's okay to make some tweaks and make some efficiencies and do things a little bit differently from a you know financial perspective. Everybody's okay with making more money, but how do you keep that one thing? And, and so Sovereign Capital does that. It's a good resource for people to be able to, to learn from. And some of this, ever, and I've kind of heard some of the, there's a group called Tugboat that I've heard from Chris Maynard, a good friend of ours. I started a company and turned it into, a, you know, sold it to an ESOP and has been doing really well, but that's kind of, he's part of that tug. There's a group called Tugboat and they, they're saying, all right, we want a hundred year old company, right? That's, that's what, that if we don't, if we don't reach a hundred years, you know, we're, we haven't done the job that we have originally set out to do. And that's some of the things that he's thinking through and he shares a lot of that on another podcast. So, but that two year spiritual integration plan, what does that look like? And I know you, since you were a part of FCCI, you have some insights in this, but if somebody says, I'm not really sure I can sit down and pull this off in my company without getting in trouble, how do you, how do you speak to that person? How do you walk them through? Yeah, so, so I think, and you know, I'm not necessarily a mergers and acquisitions expert, but I've been through it a few times. And yeah, I think top of the food chain is, is for the founders and the owners just really clarifying what, what their values are and what, what, what's important to them, what legacy that they want to leave. And I think a significant paradigm that started learning in FCCI and have learned being real active and faith-driven investors in particular is that, you know, we need to be educated. I think so many folks, even, you know, strong Christian folks that are using their company for great things, believes this, believes in a tenant that, you know, you try to make all the money that you can in your company over here in one hand so that you can give away some of it in the other hand, and whether that's to your church or ministries or humanitarian efforts. And so it, it kind of creates this false narrative in my view that, you know, God really cares about the 10%, but, you know, what you do over here with the 90% is just to make the 10% better. And I think what the this movement of, you know, through FCCI and Faith Driven and C12 and people like that are really trying to say is that, no, it, it needs to be a real integrated approach. And it's a little bit laughable when you think about it to say, you know, hey, God really cares about this 10% I'm giving away, but doesn't really care about this 90% that has so much influence in the other pocket. So I think, yeah. you know, starting to see how that, how that becomes integrated. And, you know, as you say, intentionality is, you know, incredibly important of, you know, what do you want to be lasting? What do you want to do with that? And you know what? In some cases, that that may be just sell the company and roll up or whatever the case may be. But in lots of other cases, it may be, you know, you know, through management teams and employees or through partnering with a, a Garden City companies or a Sovereigns or an Eagle Venture Fund or someone like that that is uh, focused on preserving legacy. But I think the main thing is to really, you know, have those family meetings and and have those meetings, you know, amongst your inner circle to see, you know, what is the, what is the legacy and what is the heritage that you're trying to drive for? Yeah, the word comes to mind as you describe that is a willingness to be transparent. And, and I know there's a lot of education and, and, you know, instruction that is available out there about just open book management. 
it is not necessarily a new thing, but a lot of times we see, you know, people talk about the founder syndrome and, and, you know, working with entrepreneurs. A lot of times we see this, this desire to just keep it so close to the vest. And sometimes people are just private, right? And, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 it's kind of like, you know, when you go pray, go, go to a quiet place and, and, you know, do that. They don't want to be showy. They don't want to be out. This is what we're doing. And this is what's going on. But a lot of times it's, that idea of, well, I've got to hold this. This is mine. I'm the one, I'm the blood, sweat, and tears. I'm the one that, you know, wakes up at three o'clock in the morning to, to feed the baby, you know, the baby being the business. I'm the one having to do all this other stuff. So no, I'm not going to share that information. And it ends up, you know, it ends up being that bottleneck. The founder becomes a bottleneck. And if in, in a little bit of that, in, in, you know, in the secular space, you could call it something else, but if you're if you're a person of faith, if if you you know following Jesus, then it's it's a holding on to what He's given you to to grow and establish and use for the kingdom. It's hold on to it too tight, and it's a it's a misalignment with what His plan is for it versus you know what what you think you have to come up with for the business itself. In the the owners that we take through that conversation, we've, it's just like this, just, you know, they can just sit back and say, all right, I can, I can let go of this. And I, I'm in full control of this. I can let go of this. I can work through this and I can be more strategic and freer to think about the, the vision and what I really want to see and, and invite people into that. So it's not just open book financials practice management. It's saying, hey, what, what is God telling us? You know, the people who are responsible for the company, who, what, what is God telling us and how should we carry it forward? And then applying the best practices of business management, like you said, uh, skills-based training, but also the life and, and life skills-based training as well. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Russ Carlson, has a saying, I've heard him say a number of times, that says, you know, you are going to have a family meeting. And you, you might could interpret that to be a team meeting or a company meeting. At some point, yeah. you're going to have You can either have that. Your family can have that when your will's being read, or you can have it ahead of time where you can really share what you want to happen and what your goals and visions are and impart values along the way. And so, you know, I think that's his way of saying is you can be intentional and open and transparent and share with your family or share with your management team or share with your your heirs and the people that you care about now, or they're going to get together, you know, while they're reading your will and and try to figure out what it was that you were trying to do. And so I think that's just a, you know, kind of a good example of, you know, do things now, you know, we, we hear that in so many contexts, whether it's, you know, just telling someone you love them or people around your kids or friends or things like that, that, you know, do it while you can and while you can really impact and have influence, or if you want to be the type of person that sows the the values that you have into the people around you, start talking about it and keep talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you mentioned just about, you know, being able to impact your employees and, and, you know, uh, we call it the collaboration effect on profits. If you build a strong culture, right, and you you instill in the leaders strong leadership skills, strong work ethic, how to do their job, what's the most important in their job, in their role, and, and you know, kind of cast the vision of what you do. If you, if you pull that together, 
then you end up with the collaboration effect on profits. People working together because they know what they're about, they know what they're doing, and they know they know from a business sense and a personal sense what they're actually trying to achieve. And so as you kind of work mm-hmm. through that, you, you get that benefit of being able to impact the person. But one one thing I've kind of you know seen and what I do appreciate about FCCI is the 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 chaplain programs that exist to be able to pull in and be able to say, hey, I'm not I'm the business owner and I may or may not have some insights into your life. Here are the things that I want to pour into you from business training and personal training perspective. But here's some here's somebody you can talk to just about anything. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you know whether they're just there. You know, they're they're just somebody that's there and they can and they can listen and and as a tool for making an impact in the kingdom. And you know, you've seen it and I've seen it. Churches, churches, you know, the, the brick and mortar church have there, there's a period of time that we're in for whatever reason that they're less and less influential from a point of people thinking I've got to be in the pew on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. That that it in our culture that is changing. But people are still at work. People are still in the chair at their desk. They're still on the line. They're still doing different things. So if you're a Christian business owner, you've got an opportunity to make an impression and, and to share that good news. And, you know, it, 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 on my mind and my heart, that's one of the things that I think, all right, that's that getting that getting that vision in the minds of entrepreneurs and business owners, not for the sake of business. Right. Somebody's going to put a fire system into a building in Atlanta. Somebody's going to put a sprinkler system. Somebody's going to put a uh, voiceover in it. Somebody's going to put those things in. But what are we doing and how we're doing it? And I love that's what you're putting on the table here. This impact 252. I'm going to who are all the people that I'm going to impact as we go through this? I mean, baseball is baseball. But as we go through this whole process, who am I impacting? And that's one of the, the awesome things that I hear from you that we like to impart to our clients and different people we talk to to be able to say, this is a, there's something bigger than just owning the company. Yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, you're spot on about where our culture is going. So, you know, if you're a person of faith, I think this should be incredibly important to you. But even if you're not, you know, the the values that are around us, you know, not not at all to be on a political narrative, but as you look at things that are being taught in schools and things that were historically taught in churches and things that were taught in families, there I think there's you know undeniable that that's changing significantly in our culture. And as you said, whether it's in school, school or in church, less and less people are picking up. And if we don't, if we're not on the forefront of passing our values down, certainly the church, big city church. But as you said. Those of us who are of Christian faith and are of, of values aren't at the forefront of passing those down. And as you say, um, certainly in family and children and neighborhoods is, is a strong way to do that. But those of us who are business owners have just a unique platform that, you know, is somewhat sacred and somewhat a significant responsibility to use it well and to use it right, not to weaponize it that, you know, like we see on the news oftentimes at night. But to, to do that in what true servant leadership is and caring about your people, wanting to pass them those values and instill them. And, you know, we needn't just look around the world or look at headlines today of things that are happening in different parts of the world to, you know, to take note that uh, 
as many folks say, you're a generation away from a total loss of values. And whether that be in a company, as you say, so many companies don't make it to the second or third generation. And, and I was on a great webinar conference yesterday put on by Coca-Cola Consolidated called the T-Factor. You know, Frank yeah, Harrison yeah. and Mark Whitaker, you know, just explaining of coming into the fifth generation in their company and how much intentionality that it's taken to work there. But, you know, we've got uh, an awesome responsibility and I would even say obligation, whether you say that patriotically as an American to preserve what were uniquely, you know, Judeo-Christian based values that built this company or a citizen of the world, or certainly, you know, a member of what I'll call kind of the big C church, or if you're a, a Christ follower that, you know, we've got a unique responsibility as business owners, we have a huge platform. I mean, it's incredible to think of the number of lives it gets touched through a business. I mean, even if you're a business with 10 people or 15 people and you think of their yeah. family and your vendors and your customers, you're, yeah. you're quite possibly impacting thousands of people. And that's just exponential. If you have 500 people in your company, you're probably affecting 10 or 15,000 people a year that kind of hear what you hear. They either have to listen because they're, you know, they're working there or they're trying to sell to you or, you know, you're buying from them, but it's just, you know, it's an awesome responsibility and, and just an incredible platform to be able to have an impact in the world. Yeah. And I think the most business owners, you know, they, they work through that process. The ones that, you know, make it out of that initial uh, launch phase and, and so many don't. There is a weeding out process. I guess the, the encouragement, though, is, you know, business owners to view your business less as a job than it is that 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 platform to move forward. Right? You have to continue to grow and learn and, and how to lead and how to grow a company and do different things and, and, and you know, being able to. So I think a couple of things maybe as takeaways today, if you are a business owner and you don't necessarily have a clear internal or uh, family succession option, and you want to make sure that you've got a you, you, you've got a good path forward for your culture, your your people, your clients, your your all the different stakeholders that represent in your business. A good resource could be FCCI, learning more about Fellowship of Companies for Christ International, connecting with somebody at at, at a private equity firm like Sovereigns Capital. And and what Chad may be a good thing to do is just put in the description of the video just a couple of these links for people to be able to click on and go and see and learn a little bit more about, and, you know, just be able to, and anybody listening can reach out to me and I, we can connect, you know, you to Chad and, and Chad, I'm sure you'd be able to kind of share some insights and wisdom into different people's minds and everything. And then also, which is something that, that you encouraged me through is this faith driven entrepreneur group Bible study. And that's one thing we're trying to launch up here in, in North Fulton County in the Alpharetta area, be able to come in and, and say, all right, who are the business owners that need to hear these principles to need to hear, to, that need to hear God owns it all and, and, and learn and grow in their business ownership and, and business. And I'll put some links in that, in the description below on that, but it, we've covered a lot and a lot of, you know, we, we go down probably 10 other rabbit trails that I'd like to go down, but I want to respect your time. What are some other thoughts that you would kind of leave and impart to the to the audience as we wrap up today? Yeah, well, I, I go to maybe summing a lot of those up. I, I go to North Point, one of the North Point church campuses. And, you know, Andy Stanley has a saying that he says, 
over and over, almost every Sunday I hear him say it, and I hope I don't misquote it, but I think he says that, you know, you know, following Christ will make you make your life better and make you better at life. And, and I think in a lot of ways, being involved with finding your band of brothers, if that's, you know, FCCI and an FCCI group, or if it's yeah. another one or attending a T factor, or, you know, getting involved with different folks. I think the same thing applies is that, you know, following biblical principles will make your business better and make you better at your business. And if I can kind of plagiarize his, his quote there. And, I think he'd be okay with that. And then, and I think it's, you know, good to say that, you know, what organizations like FCCI about, what I hope that impacts about, what I think Garden City Companies and Sovereign's Capital and people like that are about, are saying that you're wholly a business. You know, it's not a philanthropy. You're not running a, a church. Your business needs to be profitable. You need to be excellent at what you do. You need to yep. deliver the best services, pay your bills on time, you know, and things like that. But, you know, it can also be fully integrated with doing good in the world, being redemptive, you know, treating people right, having folks that, you know, are excited to come to work and feel like they're being compensated and rewarded. And so it's really a, a fully integrated that you have, you know, business impact and you have spiritual impact. You know, I, I used to say when I was talking about FCCI is that, you know, we, we're kind of like that 50 yard line. If you look on the, look at a football field, you know, we're fully business and business excellence, but we also want to be fully integrated as an expression of our faith. And, you know, I don't know if it's the 50 yard line or the 60 or 50, but we're trying to just have that merry meet there that says, you know, we're not a church, you know, we've got a responsibility to shareholders or family or whatever the case, but also we're not just a secular business that will do whatever to make money without regard to, you know, our faith and our principles. And so, I think I'd leave with that, that there's so many resources out there, so many great organizations that, you know, I think will make you better and make you better at life also. Yeah, that's a really good word. That's a good word. I, I had a um, mentor growing up that said something similar to that, you know, talk about the Bible. The Bible, sin will either keep you from the Bible or Bible will either keep you from sin. And and, and getting into that same kind of idea of, you know, Christ is it, Christ is the middle of it, you know and, and and you know if you're if you want to walk with him here you got to learn these principles you got to learn how to go about doing that and there's no wall at the door where there's no there's no coat check there's no bible check that you have to drop your bible off when you walk into the business into the marketplace and and if anything else you you hold it a little bit tighter as you go in and you do things just because of the impact in the lives that can be transformed and transitioned through that process. And that's very encouraging. That's a really good word. And I've heard something similar from, from Andy like that. And, and he's got those good little tidbits like that yeah. kind of, kind of, you know, good walking away piece of information to go with you. But Chad, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your uh, expertise, your wisdom and your knowledge. And I look forward to continuing the conversation with you. For now, thank you for joining the Three Wins podcast and look forward to being able to have you on in the future again sometime. Well, great. Well, thank you, Russ. Thank you for all that you're doing and, and getting this word out and wisdom from so many people. And, you know, look forward to next time. Wonderful. All right. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap. Feel free. I don't know what you send out, but I'm happy to send you, you know, eight or 10 links that you probably know most of them, but you mean things to drop into the, into the description, just resources.
Yes, yeah, that would I be can wonderful. certainly, you know, the the FCCIs and you know marketplace corporate chaplains and some of those, and then you know if you want, you know, I guess I'd probably put three or four so that neither you nor I feel like we're being super partial to sovereigns or Garden City or well, one of the other. Yeah, that's why I tried to kind of phrase it as something like Sovereign's Capital, you know, just the, I know that's a well-known one, right. but there's other ones, there's other ones out there, you know, you, you got to have a good fit for them, have to have to good, uh, a good feel, a good fit for them. Yeah, so I, I suspect that, you know, not a ton of people would call on something like that. I'm happy to, for you to put in there to give me a call if you're interested in finding folks, but um, yeah, fair amount of work with three different ones and referred folks to you know, probably four companies, I guess, now that have sold to a couple of different folks like that. And um, yeah. I think through some of the other links and people like T-Factor, you know, that's a that's an easy step in, you know. Win for yeah, a that's a good people. one. I sat through that. Mark had, Mark invited me. Oh, gosh, it must have been. Uh, it's probably two months ago. Sometime in early January, I sat in yeah. on one of the T-Factor seminars and great stuff. Great stuff all the yeah, way through. Yeah, I just, yeah. just did it yesterday. So yeah. I've been trying to go for six or eight months, but finally got into one yesterday. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, good. Yeah, just shoot me an email with all those, with whatever the links are that would be helpful. And we'll plug those into the description of the video and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time and hope you guys have a little break in the weather. You can enjoy things down there. Yeah, sounds great. Well, in the next week or two, I'm going to call you because there's a lot of fun updates going on at FCCI that I'm sure you'll want to be a part of a couple of them. We've got some really cool events, not to keep you in suspense, but you know we're working on some things with T-Factor and Frank Harrison, and we got a thing with John Maxwell that's uh, confirmed and booked, oh. one with Dan Cathy. So we've got some oh, neat. kind of cool influencer events that, that I'll make sure you're totally aware of. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Talk to you.